Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of You Wanna Watch, a podcast where I'll let you know whether or not that movie you're considering watching is worth it. My name is Gabby, and in today's episode, I did something that I didn't think I was going to do again a couple of weeks ago, over a month ago now. I went and saw three horror movies in theaters over the span of a weekend. And so for some reason, I decided to do that, but at home, obviously, and I watched three horror movies from the comfort of my own bed, and we're going to talk about them. Obviously, seeing movies from your laptop at home is nowhere near the same experience you're going to get of seeing them on the big screen in a theater. I feel that horror movies, like specifically as a genre, definitely hinder from watching on your laptop because it doesn't have the same atmosphere like unless you make your room dark like you can't really be in the same sort of darkness surrounded by other people who are also sort of experiencing the feelings at the same time as you that the movie's getting so I will say that that's not the movie's fault it's obviously just the viewing experience um, but I'm working with what I got so it probably factored into my ratings. Um, I will just say up front that I rated every single movie in this episode one and a half stars. Wow, great. Love that for me. The three movies that I watched, as you know from the title of this episode, are The Turning, The Grudge, and Gretel and Hansel. I watched them in that order, so that is the order that we will now talk about them. So let's get into it. Okay, so The Turning is considered a supernatural horror film. It is based off of the Turn of the Screw ghost story written by Henry James. I've never read that, so I had no idea what this movie was. It's set in the 90s, and the basic plot is that there's this woman who goes to be basically like a nanny to these two orphaned kids um, in this house. Their parents have recently died, and all they have are like different people who are hired to basically raise them because they don't have any family members left either so it follows her trying to take care of them to try and make them feel like there's someone who cares about them around and then obviously supernatural movies stuff starts going wrong and happening and getting weird this movie came out in January of this year, first in theaters, and um, I did like at first think I was going to go see it while it was still in theaters because it has Brooklyn Prince, who is in The Florida Project, and then Ben Wolfhard of Stranger Things, among other things. Um, and so I kind of were interested to see them because they're playing the two kids in the movie and I was wondering how their performances were going to go but then I never got the chance to see it in theaters so when I thought that I could watch it now that it's released on streaming at home and I have the time to do it I'd give it a shot um I was really disappointed in Finn's performance okay so I've never seen Stranger Things past like the first three episodes I just didn't care about it so there's three full seasons of Stranger Things I have no interest in watching it you can't get me to get interested in it I don't care how many people tell me that it's good that I should watch it I'm not going to so I don't really know like much about his acting in that I do know him from like the Goldfinch obviously we're gonna always somehow come back to that every other episode probably but I really liked him in that so there's that. 
I really liked him in the first It, so I would say that I have an interest in him as a person. I like his band. Like, I have an interest in Finn Wolfhard, the person, and I'm wanting to support his acting career outside of Stranger Things. So I thought that this was going to be good. I thought he was going to give me something to at least be excited by, but I don't know if it was the script. I don't know if it was the direction, but everything that came out of his mouth just felt so like forced and awkward and fake that I, he just, I feel like that sigh that I gave really just says it all. I was bored. I was disappointed. But the bright side, Brooklyn Prince, very, very, very good. So excited to keep seeing her do other things. If you haven't watched The Florida Project before to see her, it's on Netflix now. So you probably have access to it. So you should go watch that because she's great. She does a perfectly great job of being a creepy little girl. I commend her for that. She's adorable. And I was still scared of her, which is hard to do sometimes. The nanny character is played by Mackenzie Davis, who is in last year's Terminator. I haven't seen that, but that's like a big name movie that she's been in. She was also in Blade Runner 2049. So she has a couple good things on her like backlist of things she's done. Um, I thought her performance is actually pretty good in this. I think she did a really good job of like trying to portray like the helpfulness of who her character was supposed to be and then also like the hesitation and like the frustration and honestly just like the madness that she got pulled into while trying to see the oversee these two kids this movie like many horror movies could have been altered and the actions of the characters if she had just listened to her instincts like when those kids started acting real weird I would have dipped I'm sorry but no I would not have let Finn Wolfhard's character talk to me the way he talked to her um we would have had to say no thank you the money's not good enough I'm gonna leave which obviously can't happen in the movie because in the movie ends or maybe it didn't I mean there are other movies where like the spirits follow them like the grudge um so it's possible that the movie could have kept going on if she had tried to use some common sense, but she didn't. So we spend the whole time with her in the house, which is the movie, I guess. It felt kind of interesting in the beginning. And then towards the middle, it fizzled out and I lost my interest and I wasn't sure where they were going with it. And then you get towards the end and it kind of feels like they're getting ready to wrap it up. And then the ending happens and it's not wrapped up and then it's just over and I don't understand why they did that I don't understand what the thought process was behind it um what I read was that this movie required a lot of reshoots which I can't believe they like redid big parts of this movie and then still chose to make it this way that's like wild to me like can you imagine redoing half your movie and then your movie still comes out as bad as this and also I'm not the only one who thinks this movie is really bad like many critics at the beginning of the year when this came out had already said it's probably going to be the worst movie of 2020 which I mean I don't know if that's fair like there are plenty of other movies that are still going to come out this year that could end up being worse but I mean this isn't going to be like in the top 10 worst movies of the year I think that's okay to say my friend Kelsey saw this in theaters and when I told her that I was planning on watching it, she said it wouldn't have been worth it even if it was free. To which I said, like a dummy, knowing me, I'll like it since you hate it. 
And then um, she predicted that I would hate most of the movie, but like the end. And I mean, she was right in a way because when the end happened, I liked it because it meant the movie was over. I really don't recommend anybody watching this, like not even to know if it's as bad as me and others have said, because it's an hour and a half of your time that you could spend on literally anything else. The next movie that I watched was the 2020 version of The Grudge. It was initially supposed to be a remake of the 2004 like version. It was supposed to be like a reboot of the series. And then they decided to turn it into something called a sidequel, which is a made up word. Yes, all words are made up, but this is a real big made up word for no reason um i've never heard it before but apparently it means that like the events of this version of the movie of the 2020 version run parallel to that of the 2004 version um so basically in this movie the events that happen happened both before and during the timeline of the 2004 movie and i know that probably sounds confusing i mean it don't think it's that important because this movie makes sense even if you haven't seen any of the other ones but that was the intention of the directors and the writers and I feel the need to say that because it sounds too complicated like they didn't need to do all of that they didn't need to make that their intention they could have just made the movie they wanted to make it and maybe if they had tried to keep it more simple the movie they made could have been good but anyways, now that we're probably all pleasantly confused by that explanation, let's get into the plot, which will also confuse us. This movie follows a non-linear storyline, meaning the events of the movie are not told in chronological order, which sometimes works out really well. And other times, the problem with it is that when you're telling multiple stories in one movie, there's always going to be one that is weaker than the other two, or maybe there's two that are weaker out of the three. And so it's always very apparent which ones aren't as good as the others. And I always have a hard time when that happens because if there's like one storyline that's being told in the movie that's really good, like you only you kind of wish that it was only focused on that and that's the problem I had with this is there was one version of the story that I wish the entire movie focused on because I would have loved to spend more time with John Cho. They put John Cho in a horror movie and then didn't let me have him for the whole time and I am still mad about it. So the 2004 American version of The Grudge was a remake of the 2002 Japanese version. Um, so this is a story that's been told multiple times by Americans, which I don't understand why we can't always just watch the original, like read subtitles, you'll get over it, watch better versions of movies. But so this is a story that has been told multiple times, I think, the directors and the writers of this one probably figured most people who were going to watch this already had a baseline level of knowledge about the grudge and about what the movie was going to be about. So even though they did set it during the same time as the 2004 version, they didn't really give much depth and background at the start of the movie, which is where the non-linear storyline comes into play, like you start learning more about the origins of the ghost and things later on in the movie. 
so the first of the three major storylines follows this nurse who leaves Tokyo to go back to her home to her husband and her daughter and she brings with her the ghost which is the grudge ghost that makes that awful noise in the back of its throat I'm not going to do it right now because I hate that noise but if you know then you know and so she brings that ghost back with her it basically drives her crazy and possesses her she kills both her husband and her daughter and then herself so now that house is haunted by not only those events happening but also by the ghost one of the other storylines follows this detective who is new on the force she has just moved into this town with where the events of this have happened after her husband died of cancer so she moves with her son into this town and then her and her partner have to start investigating different aspects that branched off from this original murder suicide at the house see i'm trying to keep it straight i'm getting confused already trying to explain it i'm so sorry some of the other storylines follow john cho's character who's a real estate agent who tries to sell the house he encounters the ghost people who buy the house after this happens obviously are not living in the house it affects them so everything ends up connecting because everyone experiences something in this house like once you go inside and you go near it the ghost gets you and it can now follow you wherever it will terrify you haunt you until you also kill people around you and then yourself i don't think any of that's like spoilery that's the plot of the movie like i'm not ruining anything for you by telling you that because it's clear that that's just how the movie is going to go i will say that the acting for most of the characters in this movie is really good like one of the storylines is the couple that move into the home and we follow them for a while and it's this wife and husband and the wife has some sort of like mental disorder or something it's not totally explained but she is deteriorating and so he is trying to figure out how best to help her and he brings in this like woman who is meant to assist in trying to figure out what's best to do for her for her quality of life and the scene where he's explaining like what has happened to his wife was like actually pretty emotional I kind of got really sad because he did a really good job of getting that emotion out and so I kind of really liked that part of the movie and that storyline. I thought it was pretty interesting. Also, as I said, I was really interested in the John Cho storyline, just for the fact that it was John Cho. I am still upset that, again, it was cut short because I would take the whole grudge movie with just John Cho and I don't understand why they couldn't give me what I wanted. As I said, with having those multiple storylines the problem is is that some of them are weaker than others and so when you're trying to stitch together the whole story if you become disinterested in one part of it you might either lose the plot or you just don't care how it fits into the greater narrative and I just think that was the problem with this I think they could have told it chronologically and that would have been fine I don't really understand the sort of like stylistic choice of that because I don't think it added anything to the movie and then also did the thing where it does like really big like title cards of the year over each 
scene and it doesn't look nice and like like when Captain America Civil War did it I thought it looked bad so I'm not a big fan of when it does those kind of a things to try and tell you what year it is I would rather have like a little women thing where let, let's change the outfits let's change the coloring honestly make it a little harder for me to tell what year it is rather than trying to make it very clear while still being confusing the end of this movie wasn't really that satisfying either like I could see the twist coming so I wasn't too happy to see it end exactly the way I figured it was going to so again I wouldn't recommend anybody watching this movie either not even to see John Cho like you can watch searching if you need some good John Cho content Um, again I gave this movie one and a half stars I wouldn't say that it's worth it the last movie that I watched was Gretel and Hansel. It is another movie starring one of the It kids. This time it's Sophia Lillis. I originally did not plan on watching this movie, but when I was trying to pick a third horror movie to round out this episode, at first the only one I could find that was recent that might be worth talking about was Brahms the Boy 2 or whatever it's called. And I don't mess with dolls, so I was not too excited about seeing that. So when I saw that this had been released on streaming a couple of weeks ago, I decided I was going to watch it because, I don't know, I didn't think it was going to be bad. And at first it wasn't. I will say this movie looks really nice. Like the color palette of it is really nice. The ratio that it was shot in, I'm a big fan of. There was lots of really, really nicely well-framed shots. Like it looked like an A24 film and I love that. We all know that that's my jam. Love me a good A24 film. Love when movies try and pretend to be A24 films because even if they're bad, like this one was, it will look good like this one did. This movie follows the folklore of Hansel and Gretel, but it is called Gretel and Hansel because the writers and director decided that they wanted this movie to be more focused on Gretel, so they made the decision to make her a teenager and her brother younger. And the original sort of versions of the story, they are both 12. And then in this version, she is 16 and he is eight. The reason they did this was to try and sort of give that feel that she's always having to like take care of her brother, bring her brother around, drag him around, and that sort of hinders her own growth and development as a young woman, which I actually kind of like that thought process. I think that's interesting to not have them sort of be on the same like intellectual level, the same maturity level, because obviously the sort of mess that they get caught up in in the original story feels very like two dumb kids getting caught up in something. But because of the choices that was made here, the way they got stuck with the witch did feel a little more like not realistic but more like it made sense like she had been kicked out of the house by her mother the two of them and so they're trying to find somewhere to live and there is some sort of trepidation going into it so you do think she's smart like she is using her brain and she's trying to do the best for her brother so I do think that that aspect was really nice It's just somehow this movie was only like an hour and 20 minutes long and it still felt like the longest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It felt longer than The Irishman. There just wasn't enough plot and enough sort of extra liberties taken with the source material to make it interesting past 
what you already know is going to happen. Like they didn't reinvent the story. They didn't do anything past changing the ages and that dynamic to make the story any different than what you already know. And then the script was really cringy most of the time. Like, and because of it, then a delivery from the actors was very like stilted and it felt very like childish sometimes, which for the younger boy, for Hansel, made sense, but not as much for Gretel, who was supposed to be like more intelligent. They wanted to make sure that she was speaking a very different way than her brother, which a thing like she didn't have an accent. She sounded very like straight American and her brother had this really weird accent. And I still don't understand what that was about unless like that was just supposed to further portray like the difference in age. I don't really know what that was about, but that's what I took from it. Overall, I just think that this movie could have been a lot more interesting, especially with how nice it looked. Like it had no business looking that good and then being that bad. Um, But I guess if we're comparing it kids the way I've done on episodes before, Sophia takes this one over Finn because at least her performance in this was better than Finn's performance in The Turning. So that's a win for her, I guess. I really am just not doing well with movie picks right now. I don't know. I think it's because I'm settling just for any kind of content because I miss going to the movies so much that I'm watching all of the things that I probably would have skipped. And so I just keep getting really, really bad movies. But hopefully that changes for me soon. Um, Endings Beginnings is coming out this weekend, as I said. So honestly, even if that movie sucks, I'm probably going to lie and say it's great because I need the Sebastian Stan, Shailene Woodley, Jamie Dorton content so bad and I want it so bad that I'm not going to let that movie suck for me. Like you heard it here first, probably already going to give that movie at least four stars. Over on my Twitter and Instagram last week, I posted a list of 30 movies that are available to watch on Netflix. If you are interested and in needing something to watch, if you go through that list and you somehow have seen every single one of those movies, you can reply on either of those posts and I will try and give you some more recommendations because obviously there's a ton of things to watch on Netflix. I just picked 30 that had seen all of them and I like them to a certain degree. So they might be something that you're interested in. My friend Taylor has asked me to do a list of horror recommendations or not recommendations again like just I'm going to pull together a list of horror movies that are available on Netflix which maybe I will then go through and watch a couple of those and hopefully I can find a horror movie that I like um, because I just don't have that good of luck it's fine I mean I liked the Riley Keough movie I got to see this year so there's that I really liked The Lodge oh wow that also had an it kid in it so Jaden Martell you come out the winner of it kids in horror movies because now I've seen three and I only liked that one there you go anyways that's enough of me rambling until next time thanks for listening Thanks so much for listening to this episode of You Wanna Watch. You can find me on Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as on Twitter at YWWPod and Instagram at You Wanna Watch.